Two research institutes did a survey and they found that 53% of employees who can invest in their company stock do. About 7% have more than 80% of their 401k assets invested in their company stock. With associates in their 60s, about 15% have more than half of their 401k savings in their company stock. That is a very, very risky gamble to have so much of your future retirement money in just one stock. Today, Dave is going to share a remarkable story that brings to light the pitfalls to putting too much of your cash into one stock, and he will give you a better way so that you can win with money. Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level. Today's episode is how much should you have in one single stock? Maybe you're wondering, I really like this company. I want to invest in this one stock. Well, Dave's going to give the pros and the cons on today's episode. Well, thank you, Nate. And thanks again for everybody for joining me today. And I'm going to talk about how much you should have in one individual stock. But before that, I'm going to just share a little bit about a specific company. How many of you have heard of the company Enron? Nate, have you? Yeah, actually, oh. that I mean, I don't know a ton about it other than maybe a documentary I saw or something I read in my business textbook in college. The one thing I hear now is FTX is the new Enron. <laughs> That's right. Perhaps even worse. Yep. Yep. Good current example, right? So, if you have and I would guess some of the if you're a little bit older like me, you have heard of it. But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Enron? I think of fraud at multiple levels. (laughs) That's right. And I think of the shady accounting where they were, Mm. even the own accounting firm was getting kickbacks to allow for the company's shady dealings. Yep. Yeah, that's the downside. But when I did some research on this, what I found was for a while, they had incredibly outsized growth and they had fantastic returns on their investment. And so when that happens, shareholders, you know, their stock goes up crazily well and, you know, you make a lot of money. But probably most of you, like Nate, remember Enron for fraud or theft. This company, Enron, began in 1985 as a small energy company and grew into a large and very profitable company. By the year 2000, about 15 years later, it had 20,000 employees and posted revenues of $101 billion. So this is, you know, over 20 years ago. That's a very large company. Yeah, that's massive. That's like Apple is now. Yeah, it's big. So prior to this, Enron, get this, was voted the most innovative company by Fortune magazine, which is similar to a Forbes magazine, six years in a row. And then the bottom fell out. You see, the company was cooking the books, as they say. They were being very creative with their accounting and how they posted their sales. They basically posted future sales as if they were already earned sales. And that's, you just don't do that. Well, they were called out on that and it all came tumbling down. By the end of the year, Enron had filed for bankruptcy. At its peak that year, its stock was $90 a share. And it was the seventh largest publicly traded company in the United States. 
So why am I telling you this? Today's podcast is asking the question, how much should you have in a single stock? Well, if you had been working at Enron during those years and had invested all your retirement in this very successful company, you would have lost it all and lost it very quickly, I might add. Unfortunately, 57% of the associates did that. What happened was it was doing so fantastically well that they basically just got on the bandwagon. They said, this thing is going up. There's no way I can't get on that. I'm going to get on and make a ton of money. Unfortunately, the leaders at the top messed up big time. They were crooks. And 99% of their stock gains were wiped out. The moral of the story is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, it's interesting that 57% of the employees had put all their money in Enron. And that just shows that the leadership, the ones that were actually making these crooked decisions were apart from the actual people doing the hard work each day. Yeah, so they didn't have the inside scoop. They didn't know that they were cooking the books. And unfortunately, they're the victims. They're the ones that really got hurt the most. And it's sad, but unfortunately, it happens a fair amount. You know, you can think of Ponzi schemes that happen, unfortunately, quite frequently. People, you know, see everybody making all this money. And, you know, maybe their friends at Enron were got in before them and they thought, wow, they're doing great. Well, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to put my money and start buying stock in our company. It's doing awesome. Well, you want to be a little more careful and do your homework before you do that. But I'm going to talk about specifically what you can do to solve that and not get into the same problem as they did. Today, I want to talk to those of you who are investing in the stock market or soon will be. Be careful with how and where you invest your hard-earned money. If you've spent any time learning how the stock market works, you probably have heard of this advice, and it is a wise one. Diversify. As with just about everything in life, you need to have a balance. If you eat too many carbs and not enough vegetables, you're going to gain weight. If you become a workaholic and never take time for family and friends, you are not experiencing a work-life balance and your personal life will suffer badly, sometimes catastrophically badly. Even if you drink too much water, you're going to get sick. We need balance in our lives, and that applies to your financial life as well. And in this case, stock balance, another word is diversify. So if you have company stock as an example, don't let it be over 10 to 20% of your overall portfolio. In my particular case, my brokerage firm will actually alert me when I have over 5% in any individual stock. It's just too risky to have too much in any one stock. Now, the call is yours, of course, and I'm not just giving my input here, but if it was me, I wouldn't have over 10% in company stock. This percentage would be when you're looking at all your investments that you own and not just what you have in your 401k as an example. Having stock in your company does have its rewards and very well could help you to succeed. So I'm not saying not to do it, but just be wise to not go crazy, even though it's maybe tempting. I'm sure that Enron people, you know, they get sucked in. They saw all these people making a ton of money and so they followed suit and to their peril, unfortunately. You know, as an associate, you should have a very good understanding of the company that you work for. And if it's successful, you can reap the rewards. Now, Enron's example is an outlier, of course. And if you had been a part of it, you'd be extremely upset with the results. 
However, there are many cases when stocks take a huge dive, and many of them, or some of them at least, actually go out of business. But some may not go out of business, but they take these huge ups and downs. And just think about right now, currently in this market, think of Tesla. It's down over 60% right now as I speak from the beginning of the year. And, and I have Tesla stock and it's gone significantly lower. Another example right now is Disney. You know, they've got some bad press. They had a bad CEO that really took that company in the wrong direction. And it's down huge amount this year. And so my point here is don't get greedy, diversify. Another issue is that some companies limit how much you can take out of your company stock while you're employed. So they might also limit you from transferring that stock to another type of investment. So my point here is, let's just say you are really heavily into your company stock. You know it's a winner, it's doing great, so I'm gonna really go heavy onto it. And then something happens, you need money. You need it for, you decide what it is. And you wanna take money out, well, some companies have limits on how much you can take out or even if you could take it out. So don't go crazy and have you know such a large portion of your money in your company stock. So here's the part that I can help you with. So how do you set up your financial accounts so as not to be too heavily invested in one stock? If you have been investing for a while and have a few mutual funds, make sure you have a good overall balance. There's that word again. One example would be to have a portion in a large cap, a mid cap, a small cap mutual fund, as well as bonds and international mutual fund. Now, I know for some of you, this is going to be a little bit Greek, but just hang in with me for a minute. The market tends to move in both directions at times. If your stock market funds are going up, your bond funds usually go down. This simple example is a way of having a balance in your investment portfolio, or what many investors say is a balanced account. So just to talk about these mutual funds, a large cap is a large capital fund, a mid capital fund, a small capital fund. What they do is what it says, you know, this large cap fund is going to invest in really, really big companies. You know, the General Motors, the IBMs of the world, and the mid caps are going to be smaller companies that are starting to bust out, but they're still in the middle. And then you have small cap funds, mutual funds, and those tend to be the real young companies that are really going crazy. They're really growing strong. However, they can really do really well or they can do really poorly because of uh, a shift in the market. And for example, if you had money in a big, large company that builds homes commercially, and for the last few years, they have been killing it because the interest rates have been low. People are buying houses like crazy. Well, now that the interest rates have gone up, the house buyers have dropped dramatically. And so these small cap type mutual funds that invest in those companies, for example, they are going to do actually very poorly. And so that's why you want to have a balance. You want to have things in all of those if you can. Now, I'm probably getting too technical here, as I mentioned, but let me just say to you, there are a number of mutual funds out there and you can have various amounts in them. For example, when you are just getting started, you can be more heavily invested in growth stocks. They could be those large, mid or small cap stocks and less in bonds and international funds or cash. When you get closer to retirement, you'd want to be more conservative and preserve your assets, usually with more in bonds or cash. Your overall growth will not be as strong as those stocks, but you will have less volatility and a smaller chance of losing your principal. 
I'm retired now, and my overall balance is less aggressive than when I first started. I have a larger amount of my portfolio in bonds and cash now. But if you're just getting started, as I mentioned, you need to be somewhat more aggressive and have more in stock mutual funds if you're going to win with money in the long haul. Now, here's a hypothetical example of how you'd have your account set up when you include your company stock. My example here is if you had 50% in equities like small, mid, and large cap stocks, Again, these are companies that grow. They're not mature companies. Well, some of them are, but they're equities. They tend to be really strong companies and they grow. A good example of this would be the S&P 500 index fund. That would be a good one to have. And that will cover these small, mid and large cap stocks. So 50% in equities and then 40% in bonds and international funds and then up to 10% in your company stock. So these values are going to go up and down frequently. So you'd want to rebalance your account once a year to stay within the parameters you've set. So does that make sense? Again, there's lots of different examples and you can study about them. You can learn about it on Fidelity or Vanguard or Charles Schwab or any number of places online. But my example is if you had 50% in stocks, 40% in bonds, and then 10% in your company stock, I wouldn't go over that 10%. It's just, you gotta be really careful because if that company really, let's just say you had 30 or 40% in your company stock and that company went down dramatically or even went out of business, it would be very hard for you to recover from such a loss. So if what I talked about today is a bit over your head, I want to encourage you to do your homework and learn how the market works. You can read books. You can learn by reading what these big brokerage firms say about finance. You can get connected with a personal financial coach. They are experts and you'll learn a lot. Yeah, I really like how you kind of broke down a hypothetical example. And, you know, in case you missed it, Dave mentioned 10% is the maximum you should put towards any company stock. And, you know, another way I'd look at it is what's the most that you would be willing to lose everything? As we mentioned at the beginning, 57% of the employees had it all in, in Enron. And they were thinking, oh, this is great for my retirement. But then suddenly it went to zero. And actually, while Dave was speaking, I was reading that on average, there's 20,000 to 60,000 bankruptcies a year. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, so basically, just like FTX, just like many of these companies, Disney's, maybe they look great at one time, right? but then they can go all down. And personally, I will say for myself, I know Dave has a little bit of individual investing, not a lot compared to his overall portfolio, but I just personally invest in index funds in the market because I know stocks, they can go down to zero, but generally or never in history has the market gone all the way down for decades. Sure, it's gone down for years. Like in 2022, we've seen that the market went down a lot, but it's never gone down for decades. Yeah, that's a really good point, Nate. And you're right. You know, I have most of my money in mutual funds, but I do because I am a little bit more mature investor and I've been doing it for, you know, over 40 years. I do take about 10% of my overall portfolio and I invest in individual stocks because sometimes you can hit a ball out of the park, so to speak. And However, at that same time, it can be very risky. You know, I bought Tesla, I guess about three years ago now, and it, wow, it was incredible investment. And I'm just telling you, it's unbelievable how well it did. But right now it's down incredibly since the first year. So 
it's very risky. And sometimes you hit a winner and sometimes you don't. And so I'm willing to take some of that risk because I have a little bit of a different financial position than if you're just getting started. But please don't buy individual stocks initially until you have more, you know, a base of funds in, you know, mutual funds. And my point today with the individual stock is don't go over 10% in your company stock. That's my recommendation. And even to the point of 5% would probably be a little bit more realistic. Just to give you a real quick example, let's just say you have $100,000 in your account and 10% is in your company stock and your company goes out of business. How much did you lose? $10,000. Could you live with $10,000 less? Well, you probably could, but that would hurt. All right, now let's look at another scenario. What if you had a million dollars in your portfolio, you're, you're in retirement mode or close to retirement mode, and 50% of that is in your individual stock that you worked at your whole life? Well, how would you like losing half of a million dollars in a month's time? Now you went to $500,000. That's incredibly risky to do that. Don't do that. Yeah, and I will just add this one last thing. One thing that's helped me to essentially psychologically be okay with giving up higher returns, because, you know, I'm not going to lie, if you pick the right company like Dave did with Microsoft when he was younger, you know, you could make a lot of money. And if you picked Apple before it got big or Tesla before it got big, that's great. But unless you have insider information or work for Congress, <laughs> then you're probably, you're not going to be able to outthink the other people that are investing. That's a good point, Nate. And that's one psychological thing that helps me out. And, you know, just because you follow Elon Musk on Twitter doesn't mean, you know, whether or not Tesla is actually going to go up or down, because to be honest, even the experts don't know. That's 100% right. All right, let me finish today with three points I want to emphasize. The first one is never have over a 10 to 20% position in your stock. It's just too risky. I personally stay at around 5% for an individual stock measured against my overall portfolio. Secondly, just like you have to balance what foods you put into your body or it will go out of balance, you need to balance your financial portfolio. Another way to say it is to diversify it. The third thing is to get educated in the area of personal finance. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. And hopefully you're doing other things to increase your knowledge to become a better person financially. Listening to this podcast is a good beginning. However, to get to the next level, you'll need to study more on your own. You can do that online or with a personal financial coach. And the last thing I want to give to you today is to take action. Today, I'm going to leave you with a little homework. So if you are new to personal finance, commit to learning more about how the stock market works. A good resource is one of the many brokerages, and I know I talk about these three in particular a lot, but they're very big and they're really knowledgeable. They really have good product on their websites, and that's Fidelity or Charles Schwab or Vanguard. And again, there's many others, but those are three big ones. They have a ton of information on their websites, and it's just going to help you to learn more about personal finance. Now, if you prefer to read a book, let me suggest a book that's as old as the hills, but it's a classic, and it's called The Intelligent Investor, probably the best book on stocks. It was originally released in 1949, and it was written by Benjamin Graham. And get this, Benjamin Graham was Warren Buffett's college professor. Oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah. It's incredible. This book remains the single best book on investing ever. 
That's great. Well, that wraps up today's episode. It was a very interesting one. It was all about diversifying and not investing only in one individual stock. On next week, you're going to learn how money grows on trees. Well, not exactly. Dave is going to speak on the fascinating subject of compound interest, and it will rock your world. I know on this podcast, we've mentioned compound interest several times, but Dave's going to explain it more in detail. So see you next time on next week's episode. And I got a question for you. Do you enjoy this podcast? Did you find it valuable? We'll just ask that you would share it with a friend. If you could just send them this podcast, if you think it'll help them, that will help us grow and that will help them as well to learn on saving and investing and winning with money. So lastly, Dave's going to end with a quote today. Thank you, Nate. All right, this one is by Zig Ziglar. He has passed away, but he had an incredible life. And if you want to get motivated, read a book or two by Zig Ziglar. This guy will get you excited about life. Here's a quote that he gave that I think is related to what we just talked about. Life is about balance. Be kind, but don't let people abuse you. Trust, but don't be deceived. Be content, but never stop improving yourself.